0: Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us, as well as people on television all over northern Wisconsin and those who watch on the Internet. We're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> good to have you with us this morning at Celebration Church. And again, good morning to our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point as well. I walked into the kitchen this morning. My wife looked at me and said, you look like an Easter egg. <laughs> Wives. Anyway. Easter egg or not, I'm glad to be here this morning. (laughs) It was a lot nicer where I was yesterday. I was on the North Carolina coast, 80 degrees, hallelujah, on the water. is a wonderful thing. Then we landed last night. Oh, man. What a weird winter, huh? It's like it's winter and it's spring and then it's winter and it's spring and it's winter. It just keeps freaking us out. So uh, anyway, I like the winter, actually. I don't like this jumping back and forth, but anyway, it is what it is. Hey, tonight at 6.30, we're going to be having our annual uh, family meeting starting tonight uh, in Green Bay, and then tomorrow night, 6.30 in Stevens Point, and then Tuesday night, 6.30 in Appleton. This is when the church gets together. And uh, it's our version of an annual business meeting uh, for the congregation. We don't vote on stuff and get in all kinds of fights and crazy stuff like that. We don't play that game. But we do report, and a lot of people ask uh, questions about anything they might have. We're going to be taking a look back over the last year, looking at the numbers. How many people are we affecting? How many new people are coming in the church? How many people have gotten baptized? Uh, How many people have done missions trips? And how many lives have we touched? It's going to be a lot of fun, kind of a visual uh, kind of rehearsal at each campus about some of the things that have happened over the last year. And again, sharing with our vision, where we're at is our version of the State of the Union Address, okay? There will be childcare at all campuses when we do this. So tonight, 6.30, Stevens Point tomorrow night, 6.30, and Appleton on Tuesday night, 6.30. We don't expect it to last very, very long, hour, hour and a half at max, Uh, but a good time to come together. If you have any questions about how things are done or what's happening here, there, or the other, is it your opportunity to come and share those things. We are doing a series entitled The Significant Events of the Old Testament. And uh, we're going through, we're starting in Genesis, and we're going to work our way through through the Old Testament. We're not going to talk about everything that happened in the Old Testament. It would take a very long time. But the significant events, major biblical events that you should know about, you should be able to say, yes, I know what that is. I know what that means. I know what the result of it was, that sort of thing. Sadly, biblical illiteracy seems to be at an all-time high. and A lot of people don't know Jack. Well, we want to encourage you and instruct you so that you know these accounts. A lot of these, uh, <clears throat> we call them oh, Bible stories and stuff like that, uh, You know, are told from a children's perspective. A lot of us learned about them in children's from uh, children's books or children's churches and stuff like that. The problem with those is they're very simplified. Some of them are grossly inaccurate. And what we want to do is just let you know exactly what happened and why they happened. Now, starting in Genesis, the whole point of Genesis is really the first few chapters kind of set up how we got here in the first place. We got the account of creation, all right? And, of course, a lot of people debate you know, exactly what happened in creation, but that doesn't really matter. That's not the point. The point is God did it. We aren't the result of some cosmic burp in the universe. That just happened to happen all by itself. By the way, I'm hoping uh, next time to uh, share a video I was looking at uh, recently that uh, shows many uh, scientific uh, conclusions that they've got, come up with over the years and how wrong they have been. And based on what they're learning now, even by their own quotes, many of, their are, many of them are saying, you know, this is starting to point to make more sense from a viewpoint of creation and God than anything else. You'll see it. It's really fascinating because the reality is God made this. We don't debate about exactly how it happened, but uh, <clears throat> that he did it. He created mankind. Then the next major event is the fall of mankind. How long did that take? My guess, 45 minutes. I don't think it took very long at all uh, because people are crazy. But uh, it didn't take long before mankind rebelled against God, and that's what brought in sin and death and destruction and hunger and all the horrible things we face in the earth. Oftentimes people say, if there's a God, why is there so much suffering in the world? It's not because there's not a God. It's because we told God to go away. We told God we're going to do it our own way, and we really align ourselves more with the spirit of evil than with the spirit of God. That's why the world is in the mess that it is in today. Then the next major event is the flood. We talk about that, Um, you know, what happened. The point of the flood is really not to debate about the flood or how exactly the flood happened or whatever. The point of it is to show that there was a massive reset of the human race because things had gotten so bad. The Bible tells us that the initial groups of people, Uh, after the fall, were so poisoned by sin and hatred, and it was out of control. It became incredibly violent to the point God couldn't even stand it anymore. We're talking, you know, cutting off people's heads and lighting people on fire and torturing people. was a normal everyday thing. It was brutal. It was horrible. So incredibly violent that God says, we have got to do a reset or this is not going to survive. So he floods out the world. Now, There's some debate as to, you know, whether or not it was actually the whole globe or if it was just where. Because at this point, most people are probably still in one area. Maybe it was just that known world. All we know is that it was a massive population reset. That's the point. Not debating whether or not there was this uh, how big the flood was or whatever else. That's, That's really not the point at all. It's just that there was this massive reset, which explains why there are as many people as there are on the Earth today. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, The biggest argument against this idea that mankind has gone on uninterrupted for thousands and hundreds of whatever years is the numbers don't add up, okay? Uh, We know how fast the population has grown over the last several thousands of years. On average, and it varies, but on average, the world doubles its population about every hundred years and fifty five years. And all you gotta do is take the seven billion that are on the planet now, go back every hundred and fifty five years, cut it in half, cut it in half, cut it in half, and by the time you get done to a handful of people, it was forty five hundred years ago, which is when the Bible says the flood occurred. A massive reset. All right, there's people who say, no, no, that never happened, but, you know, someone told me, you know, Pastor, I was reading somewhere that he they said they, they thought uh, there were signs of civilization, early civilization, about 10,000 years ago. Well, number one, you have to understand, they're guessing. They don't know. That's what they're assuming it was 10,000 years ago. If it was 10,000 years ago and there was no population reset the entire time, you got a serious math problem. I showed you with the chessboard that's got 64 spaces on it. You take one penny and double it on every of those 64. By the time you get to 64, you've got a hundred quintillion dollars. That's the power of doubling. That's how fast things double. It's powerful. If it was 10,000 years ago, that's 64 sets of doubling. Where are all the people? And then you add to the fact that they say, no, early mankind showed up in caves about 100,000 years, or 100, well, 100,000 years ago. Seriously? Where are all the people? Unless early mankind was incapable of reproducing. You know, like some people could figure it out, and the rest, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't get it. Uh, they did it. I don't know what they did, but something happened, you know. You know, or there were so many plagues, and there's so many. I mean, to even begin to imagine. Again, the math just blows your mind at 10,000 years. They're saying 100,000. 100,000 years ago. Mankind had to live on the verge of extinction that entire time to justify the number of people that are on the planet today. If it was 100,000 years ago, man, there'd be so many dead bodies buried everywhere. Every time you planted, you know, your garden, there'd be heads and stuff popping up. You know? And I'm not exaggerating. You know, in, in uh, Europe, uh, during World War I, there were so many projectiles thrown at each side. The number was just stunning. Just, they would just, you know, and the way they'd always start a battle, they were so predictable. They would launch this massive bombing assault. And, and, and you know, we're talking millions of pieces of artillery, you know, landing and blowing up and stuff like that. And then as soon as it's done, then they would charge. Well, it's so predictable. Every time, I knew it, as soon as the bombing was over, they would hide. They'd come out. Here comes the enemy. Machine gun them down. Blah, 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 and they took turns just killing each other. They got nowhere all that time all those people that got killed. It was just the stupidest war on earth until Americans showed up. And history shows when Americans showed up, they said, well, let's start bombing the other side. I said, why do that? Then they'll know we're coming. Let's just go get them. And that's what we did. And that's why we turned the tide of the war. We fought differently. These guys were so locked into their thinking. These generals so locked in, they couldn't break the way they thought. This predictable Also, Anyway, so many projectiles and so many of them did not explode that to this very day, farmers in Belgium and stuff like that still have bombs coming up. And people are killed every year. Children, every year, playing with, oh, what's this? You know what I'm saying? It's amazing. After all, that was 1919. This much later, that thing's even sitting there, and if you hit it right away, now it goes off. I mean, still. Look it up. It still happens to this very day. To c- and that's just the bombs. The, the number of people, it just doesn't make sense. The biblical account, makes way more sense of who we are and why we are where we're at today. So anyway, so the flood comes, and, and not only does the flood come, the Bible shows us that there's a massive change in the ecosystem as a result of this flood. I talked some theories about why, but all we know is that up to this time, people lived really long times, much after the flood, and it started shutting way down to where, you know, the kind of lives that we live today, uh, max would be like 125 years Before that, it was massive. I mean, these people lived a really long time, but the whole ecosystem was totally changed after the flood. All right, so now, the last major event. In in the first part of Genesis, we got the creation, fall of mankind, the flood, and now what we call the Tower of Babel. So we got the Tower of Babel, which we're going to read about right now. In Chapter 11, it says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. Now it says the whole world. It means just the people of that time. Again, why, when the Bible says the whole world was flooded, it might have meant just that area. It doesn't really matter. All we know is about a population reset, not about the water, all right? So the whole world had a common language. Everybody spoke the language, same language, obviously. As people started to move eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they use brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. This is a major change in the technology of the day. Up until this point, early mankind, if you're going to build something, you got a rock. And you move the rock. And then if it didn't quite fit, you'd have to cut the rock and place the rock. Then you have to find another big rock to come into that rock. So you can see this was a slow process. Well, somewhere along the line, someone figured out we could make our own rocks (laughs) called bricks. They're all uniform. And stuff. said, whoa, check it out. woo We figured out bricks, brick-making. So they're building uh, uh, with these bricks, and things are going along really fast. And they said, come on, let's all build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered all over the face of the earth. So they start building this tower. Now, the children's version of this is, is one of the most inaccurate retellings of an Old Testament account. They say, for those of you who remember the story, the Tower of Babel, they were building this tower so they could climb up into heaven, which makes no sense. They weren't climbing up into heaven; they were building a tower up to the heavens, which means the clouds. It was the first skyscraper. This was like Donald Trump's great, 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 great grandfather. All right, let's build a huge tower with huge hands. We put Trump Tower. That was that. That was they were the first big yomama skyscraper. That's what they were doing. All right, so. They were going to do this. Well, then it says in verse 5, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord says, ah, as if as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this. If they figure this out, things are really accelerating now. And he said, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. What is he talking about? This is where context is important when you study the Scripture. What's the context? If you take things out of context, they don't make sense, or you can make them up to be whatever you want. The context, what just happened? The flood had recently happened. Why? Because mankind had so corrupted themselves and became so violent. They say, now they're really progressing. Now they're really getting organized. Oh, man, the plans he's talking about, these aren't good plans. These are bad plans. These are what in the world will these guys come up with next? It's going to really get out of control. And it had already gotten out of control. To the point they had to do this massive population reset or mankind would not have survived. So the Lord says, well, come down and let's go down and confuse their language so they won't understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That's why it's called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And then from there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole world. And that's one very short verse, but this makes a lot of sense. People often ask, well, how did people come up in all different places? Where did all the races come? And how did all this happen? Well, first of all, there are no races. There's only one race. There's not even scientists will admit that the phrase races is an inappropriate and an improper phrase. We're all one race. It's called the human race. Our DNA. I don't care what color you are. It's all one race. And really, if you follow back your uh, DNA far enough, we all started from the same place. We're all, it's just one race, you know. But everybody likes to insult each other today. They're all terror, calling everybody racist and stuff like that. It's really people's groups. But it's not as effective to say, you're a people grouper. You know, so I like I say racist, so it sounds more important, you know. But there is no races. There's only one race, one human race. But how did they get all over the place? And they got all these theories of how they traveled here and stuff. Well, the Bible says God put them there. At this point, God comes in and he breaks everything up. He causes all of this confusion and people by various language. And it specifically says again, it's a verse that everybody always skips over. The Lord scattered them. And place them all over the face of the earth. And now human beings are all over the place. Well, how'd he do that? He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. All right? He just flooded the whole joint. So he puts them all over the place. And now we have groups of people that... And you can imagine, it makes a certain bunch of people, a certain facial looks, certain colors and stuff, or perhaps maybe God even, it doesn't say it, but he could have very well not only confused the language, but also started changing the looks of various groups of people. Because they all tend to look, they all, everybody, whatever group doesn't have to go very far, all tend to look different than everybody else. Uh, this was done intentionally to break up mankind. Why? Because in a sense, what he's doing now is he's quarantining evil. The idea here now is if one group of people go crazy and they become real rotten, horrible, violent, destructive people, that it stays within that group. It's like if you take uh, diseases and stuff like that. and You quarantine people. You find out people who come into this country, they're sick. They quarantine them. Why? They keep them away from everybody else so it doesn't spread. This is God's way of quarantining evil. And as if you look at the history of the world, this is absolutely, you see this over and over again, there are groups that become extremely violent, extremely uh, destructive, uh, try to conquer other groups, but then it would always fall back to the way it was. I mean, you know, no matter how hard they tried, this quarantining kept it from spreading everywhere. Uh, When you read about when the children of Israel went into the Promised Land and he's telling them to destroy these cultures, people say, oh, why did God tell them to destroy these people? Because they were terrible people. If you actually, you can read history and look at these cultures that were destroyed by the Israelites when they went in. These were violent, horrible places where they worship weird gods and they do all kinds of disgusting sexual things. They take their children and burn them in the fire, do you know, worshiping these gods. And they were, they were violent, horrible horrible, pagan places that did terrible things. The reason it didn't, why all people weren't that way, was because of this effect of quarantining. You've got the the look of groups of people, you have the languages of different groups of people. It keeps the crazy from spreading. Even to this day, there's parts of the world that are just crazy, violent, insane, nutty people. And overwhelmingly, it's based around language and culture and groups of people groups. And it's, you know, and it's trying to spread, but thankfully, it gets limited. Uh, And through all history, every time you look at any really destructive culture, the Aztecs, you know, in South America, you know, everybody, you know, oh, they were such nice people worshiping the sun. They weren't sun tanning. These were, you know, they worshiped the sun, and they were violent, physically violent. You read the history. It was awful. Thank God the Spaniards showed up and shut them all down. It was horrible, violent. But again, all of it was quarantine. That's what happened when God broke up the peoples and stuck them all over the face of the planet and now let things grow from there. That's where all of this comes from. So, as a result of the tendency of mankind to create all kinds of horrible versions of evil, God split them up. See, that's the context of what we just saw. Now he splits them up and limiting the effect of evil promulgated by any one culture. In essence, quarantining destructive cultures. Now modern day globalists have worked very hard to try and counter the effects of Babel. You have to understand, these are people who do not believe the Bible in any way, shape, or form. They tend to be secularists or flat-out atheists. They just don't believe in this stuff. And they're convinced that the problem with the world is that there are too many people's groups. So they want to try and get everybody together because they're convinced that if we can just get everybody together, then we'll all sing Kumbaya and everything will be peaceful and everybody will love each other and stuff. So that's what you've got. They want unregulated borders, uh, free-flowing immigration. We're not just talking America. We're talking all over the world. This is what's going on. By these globalists and their intent is so that all the peoples of the world can become one. Their intentions actually are rather good. They're not just evil people. They're wrong. But they're just, you know, their intentions, they want peace in the world. and This is how we're going to attain peace if we just put everybody in the same basket and get rid of all... The, war, the, the borders and languages and everything. Oh, now, now we have it. And they will actually point to America as being an example that it can be done because America is basically created out of all these other countries. But what they fail to understand or point out is that when people came to America, they came to escape and leave behind the culture they came from. And they came to this country to create a new culture, it was the American dream, the American ideal. It wasn't just everybody bringing their cultures in all at once. It was, let's get out of this place, they're nuts, and go to America, all right? And let's build something new. So while the American ex- uh, experiment of putting all together has, has been impressive, this idea of, well, let's just open up all the borders everywhere, Europe everywhere, and just rush everybody in, and then this, it'll just amplify this wonderful thing that we've had, well, that hasn't been what's happened the result has actually been a, an abysmal failure, something they won't admit very freely. They think the problem is they don't have enough of it. And if they just force more of it, then we'll all get to this kumbaya moment. But it's not working. And now people are fighting it back, and that's why everybody in this country is fighting over immigration, this, that, and the other, you know, which is you know fine. Make your voice be heard. But this, this whole idea is what they're trying to do is get everybody to get more together so they can reach this point, because what's been happening hasn't worked. And they're starting to discover it. So there's this uh, radio broadcast on NPR hosted by Michael Martin. He interviews a, a Harvard political scientist by the name of Robert Putnam. This is back in 2007. And the conversation they're having is about diversity in America. And he said that despite the great effort of globalists promoting this idyllic concept of integrating the world's population, people are still divided. It's not working. See, here's a moment where they're being honest. It's a brief, flashing moment, but this is the moment. Here's what Mr. Harvard-educated Putnam says. What we discovered in our research, somewhat to our surprise, of course it's a surprise, because they're convinced that we just stick more people together, and it'll all be fine. And they're forgetting that the American culture from everywhere else were people leaving their cultures to create a new one. But what we discovered to our surprise was that the more ethnically diverse the neighborhood you live in is, the more you... Every, all of us, tend to hunker down, to pull in. The more diverse, and when I say all of us, I mean all of us. I mean blacks, whites, Asians, Latinos, all of us. The more diverse the group around us ethnically in our neighborhood, the less we trust anybody, including the people who look like us. So what they're discovering is this whole thing has been an abysmal failure. It's not working. They know it's not working. It has, But again, they think it's just because we haven't done enough of it. Which you see, you know, according to these people's worldview, you know, uh, the reason why government hasn't serv- fixed all the problems is because government's not big enough. <laughs> so we need more of it. And it still doesn't fix anything. Well, we need more of it. That's the way they think. Until finally, people say, hey, this is crazy. And we stop and we kick back and we have these big swings in our political landscape. Right right now we're swinging to the right because a lot of people have had it with this nonsense. But now here's what's really interesting. No matter what they do, they admit privately, they know they cannot overcome the effect of Babel. They're trying to. They don't call it Babel, but that's what they're trying to do. All right. But now he starts talking about something else. He says, now here's what we did find one place in America where it does work. There's one place in the world, you go around the world, you go to these places, this idea of putting all these cultures together where they're all one, they found one place where it does work. You think they would celebrate it. Of course they don't celebrate it, because where they find that it works is in churches. So he says, in our course of research on religion in America, which initially didn't have anything to do with diversity, they weren't looking at it, he said, I was visiting some very large churches. Uh, I went to this one church, I think there were five, 6,000 people there in this evening service. And it was the most micro-integrated group I've ever been in in my life. The whole 5,000 people was a definition of a rainbow. In my little area where I was sitting, there was a Hispanic couple, then there's me, then there's this blonde, then there's a Korean couple, then an African-American couple. And everybody was hugging everybody and singing and celebrating. The only place, the only place it works is in church. There's no way they're going to say that, right? Because they don't like church, right? They're seculars. They, uh, they think we can overcome it on our own. They can't. They're failing. The world's kicking back against it. Europe's kicking back against it. Our latest election in America's kicking back against it. It's not about hate or people grouping. Racism. It's just, it doesn't work. There's only one place where it works. What Mr. Putnam from Harvard was saying, without knowing it, is the only place The only thing that can overcome the effect of Babel is the cross. Jesus Christ sets right all of this mess that happened in the beginning of Genesis. Now, from this point on in Genesis, now we're just going to focus on where the Jewish people came. And almost all the Old Testament is just about where the Jewish people came from. Why? Because that's where the Messiah comes from. And that's what all of that is. And that's what all the history is. That's all God revealing himself to these people. And these these are the events that we're going to be looking at. Once we get past these four events, but in in Christ on the cross, he sets right what was messed up in the rebellion against God. When mankind turned against God and was filled with hate and bitterness and unforgiveness and violence, all of that has changed on the cross. Jesus dies on that cross to set right what was set wrong. Adam messed everything up. Jesus sets everything right. When we come to him in faith, our sins can be forgiven. We can have a connection with God. And not only is that straightened out, this breaking down between peoples is removed in the cross. Because in the cross, we all come together, and it doesn't matter what color you are or what culture you come from or what languages or what accents you have. None of that matters. The only place in the world where you can experience the absolute elimination of borders is in the Christian church. And anyone who's ever traveled around the world knows what I'm talking about. Any Christian. You can go to churches all over, but you walk in, and you don't look like anybody, right? Man, you, you can walk up in, and, and everybody doesn't speak the same language. You can go to South America. You can go to Africa. Man, you walk in Africa. I walk in Africa. I go to these churches. I look like a piece of lint on a dark sweater, you know? And it doesn't matter because we're all together, and everybody loves me, and I love them, and nobody even thinks in these terms. Why? Because the cross fixes even the effects of Babel. In Revelations, we read, Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. In Galatians, Paul writes these radical words. This is radical. 2,000 years ago, he says, there is no Jew. There is no Gentile. There's not slaves. There's no free. There's not male. There's not female. This is radical. Well, these would push women down and oppress women. He says, all that's erased for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus sets right all that was broken and set wrong in the beginning of Genesis. The world is still struggling with it. They're still up to their eyeballs in it unless you come to Christ and now you experience this glorious freedom that we have because of how God fixes what went wrong. And then Jesus made these great words in John 13. He says, by, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the ultimate testament that Christ has set all this right, and I love our church here at Celebration Church. It doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter what accent you have when you speak. Uh, it, it, none of that stuff. Doesn't matter if you have tattoos, no tattoos, lots of hair, follicly challenged, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter if you're a Republican, Democrat, all, all that stuff. Just it doesn't matter here. We don't care. Oh, I weigh in my opinion from time to time. It's just my opinion. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. All that matters is Jesus. Because he sets right all that was set wrong. God initially divided the nations and the people of the earth in order to limit the effects, the destructive effects of evil. And it was a massive, horribly destructive. He literally had to wipe out almost everything or it would have never survived. But now in Christ, he brings us all together. And what was wrong is made right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord, we celebrate the fact that in Christ we have new life. We can experience forgiveness of sins, the battle, the struggle in us of evil and anger and bitterness and resentment. All that can be washed away in the precious blood of Christ. And even the separations that come between people's groups, oh Lord, different cultures and languages, all of that is erased in your presence. The cross makes it all right. And Lord, I pray for anyone listening to me right now, if they've never truly celebrated or or, or surrendered their lives to Christ, that they would do that now, that they would come to the cross, ask you into their lives so they too can experience the making right of what is wrong. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen. God bless you.